Hi, this is Savannah. And this is Brian from the Dorky Diva Show. And you're listening to Star Wars. The best place for below average Star Wars. In a world where people need 80s and 90s movie reviews, two regular Geordies combine forces to bring you the Brother to Brother 80s and 90s movie review podcast. Check them out on Twitter, YouTube, and all decent podcast vendors. To the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. I am the Jody Jedi Pete, and we're back with a brand new of our specials. It's Knowing Me, Knowing You. Aha! For those that don't know, Knowing Me, Knowing You was started when the COVID pandemic began, uh, mainly because I was worried about Star Wars news not coming out. Would, would production stop? That type of thing. Now, we all know that sort of didn't really happen, but what I was able to do was have fantastic conversations with Star Wars fans. Um, across the world, really, um, and have some fantastic Star Wars conversations. And that's what we're going to do today. So today it is Jory Jedi Pete, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Aha. And we have today's special guest, Mark Newbold, who is, of course, the daily content manager over at Fantatrax. Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm very well, Knowing Me, Knowing You, Aha. Yes, I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting over a cold. So if I sound a bit bunged up and rough-voiced and there's a bit of coughing in the background, uh, you know why. It's me. I would normally blame the dog, but it's definitely me. So it's been it's been a crazy few months. I think we've been trying to record this a few different times, obviously with different illnesses and things getting in the way. Just um, a few, yeah. <laughs> but, no, but the main thing is, you have five Star Wars related questions to ask me, correct? I do, I do, yes. Fantastic, and I have five Star Wars related questions to ask you, which is also correct, and that's what we need to have a fantastic Star Wars conversation. I'll get started, and I'll ask the first one. Are you ready, Mark? I am ready. Fantastic. Light speed to knowing me, knowing you, as they would say if we were uh, in a Disney park. <laughs> so my first question, obviously, um, I think me and you haven't formally met, I don't believe, um, but obviously I was at uh, the Star Wars Family Fun Day that was down in um, Blackburn just just sort of a few months ago, or it feels yes. like a few months ago anyway. Um, <laughs> and I think, as you know, I was hoping to catch you, but then I think I ended up being quite busy and then I seen... You were very busy sort of interviewing a lot of the guests there. Um, so my question is, has there been a Star Wars related interview or celebrity meeting that's been your favourite and why? Ooh, I've been very lucky because writing for The Insider and, and different bits and bobs, <coughs> excuse me, and doing interviews has kind of been my thing. So I've, I've had the good fortune to interview some really cool people. But I would say if I had to pick one, that was the, the standout, it would have to be Irving Kirshner. So I managed to interview him in, God, it's about 15 years ago now, about 2008. 2008 doesn't sound like 15 years ago to me, but but it is. Um, and uh, yeah, it all came about, I'd interviewed Rick McCullum for my old site, Lightsaber, who's run a site for about 10 years called Lightsaber, uh, before I joined Jedi News. And 
that really be- it started off as a fan fiction site, then it became a, a news site. But the interviews was really what kind of got me known in the in the sort of the fan community. And interviewed Rick McCullum. We finished talking, much like we are now. And at the end, just a bit of chit chat, really, which I wasn't expecting because I was told he was very very busy. And we ended up talking for about forty minutes. And I just I can't even think how we came to it. But I basically said, oh, I've wanted to interview Irving Kershner forever. You know, he's next on my list. I think I'd got his his home phone number. Weirdly, the Directors Guild of America gave me his home phone number, which was just random. I wasn't BSing. I was just legitimately saying, I'm trying to do an interview with him. I'm from a fan site, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and Rick said, oh, don't worry about that. We'll sort that out for you. And literally less than a week later, I was on the phone talking to Kirsch. <coughs> and we had half an hour just talking about, predominantly about Empire Strikes Back. And I just remember thinking, I've still got the recording. It's 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 out there on Panther somewhere. But I just remember thinking, be respectful. Don't just pile in asking him all the cool questions about Empire. Ask him a bit about Robocop 2 and Man, Man Named Horse and Eyes of Laura Mars and Robocop, you know, all the other stuff that he'd done. Never Say Never Again and, you know, the other stuff. And I think he was savvy enough to know that I really wanted to talk about Empire. So every time I sort of started talking about one of these other, other projects, he very sweetly drew me back. And after about five minutes, I thought, He's he's been really nice here. He's just let me talk about Empire. So yeah, so we had like half an hour talking about Empire, and of course he passed away. Oh, I can't remember when he passed away. About twenty ten. Um, so uh, yeah, so obviously he's he's not available for interviews at the moment. But um, yeah, I was very fortunate. So I would say, I, like I say, I've interviewed some really cool people, but uh, I think because it's my favourite film as well, I think that probably would take some topping. Yeah, that's really awesome and really sweet how he sort of took you back to Empire to talk about the things you were really passionate about as well, I think. Just shows what a what a nice guy he was. Yeah. I haven't really interviewed um or had many celebrity meetings um in the sort of things. I think for me one of the one of the ones that steps out of my mind for me is obviously um my first celebration was Celebration London in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um and you know I think that was one of the first celebrations sort of I think was the one where the first showed sort of the Rogue One the Rogue One panel and the Rogue One trailer, um, or a, a Rogue One trailer, anyway, to the people who were in attendance. But um, so I bumped into sort of Dave Filoni on the on the convention floor. Yeah, and, and there wasn't too much fuss around him. He certainly wouldn't be able to do that now. And and uh, in any country, I don't think. And had that con been in America, it certainly wouldn't happen either. But I was able to sort of get a picture with him, ask him a couple of questions, and spend a bit of time with him. That was, you know, really really sweet that he that he did that. Um, so that's sort of one of my one of my favourites. Um, what is your first question for me, Mark? <coughs> well, he said clearing his throat. My first question for you is: What is your favourite film, or non-Star Wars film, that stars a Star Wars actor? So, what what what's your favourite film that's got a Star Wars actor in it, but isn't Star Wars? Ooh, I mean, it's probably going to have to be. Um, Raiders of Lost Ark, I'd imagine, <laughs> with Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, probably one of the, you know, one of the best blockbusters out there. Um, one of the best adventure movies. So I do love that. I love all the Indiana Joneses. Um, so probably that one. I'm trying to think. You know, I'm a big fan of Adam Driver. I think Adam Driver's. You know, I, I say this quite a lot, and some people do laugh at sometimes. But I think of his generation of actors. I think he's one of the best out there at the minute as, as a leading man, and also as a um, not being a leading man, but sort of see on the show, which he's done in quite a few movies. Um, so, you know, I think 
if you, if you look at, let's just say, Star Wars Legends, I'm going to go with Raiders Lost Ark. Obviously, Harrison Ford is in here, Jones. And I think as, uh, you know, new Star Wars actors, I'll go as, I'll go Adam Driver. Uh, and I'll just go with his performance in, um, I think it was Logan Lucky or Lucky Logan. Oh yes, Lo- yeah, Logan Lucky was brilliant. Yeah, Where he was, was the bartender. Yeah, yeah quite, quite, quite a, f- a funny character as well. So I, I, yeah. qu- I quite enjoyed him in that. I enjoyed him in Black Handsman as well. Uh, fantastic way going. Game where he's not the main character, but he sort of steals the movie almost in in, in both those movies. Um, so I'm going to cheat and, and go for go for two there. That, that's a good shout. I, I I met him once. I met him at um, the Last Jedi premiere, and we're both about the same height. I'm six four, and he's six four. I'm not an imposing, serious-looking six-four. He is. He was quite intimidating. <laughs> he looked. He looked about six inches taller than me, but he's not. Um, but he's proper serious game face on him. But he was chatting to all the fans, and he was absolutely delightful. So you know that maybe that's just his demeanour, which is probably quite handy. And he's an ex-marine, isn't he? So he's he's got he's got that sort of bearing about him. But uh, yeah, I've got to agree with Raiders. That's I'd say after after Star Wars and Empire, that's my favourite film. So Star Wars, Empire, Raiders, and Blues Brothers are my four favourite films. So lots of lots of Star Wars connections in those. Loads, yeah. My next question for you is: um, What's your favourite thing about Star Wars since the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm? <coughs> that's a good question. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day because obviously it's it's just over ten years now, isn't it? Since it, it actually all went through and, and became a thing. And we still talk about, you know, the acquisition as if it's relatively new and it's over a decade. And Kathleen Kennedy had been in charge for six months before that happened. She was kind of there to to shepherd it along and, and you know, do the handover and all that malarkey. So I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I mean, two minds. What, I think Star Wars was always special because it was, it was rare in the sense that, <clears throat> you know, you had the one comic, you had the odd book. You had a film every three years, yeah, a couple of seasons of animated, a couple of TV movies. Star Wars was relatively sparse until you got to the 90s and then the book started, Air to the Empire and Dark Horse Takeover, and it, it, it starts to build because Lucasfilm have got the confidence that it's still going to go. But even through all of that with you know this, this uh, prequel trilogy and the Clone Wars and all that stuff, you think Disney in that 10 years... As you could say they've put out more in 10 years than Lucasfilm put out in 35 years. So, <clears throat> you know, it's an interesting comparison between the two. So part of me thinks I kind of liked it when it was, wow, the circus is coming to town. You know, it was, it, was, it was an event. It was more of an event. Whereas when we had that five-year run of a film every year, it wasn't the event that it used to be. Flip the reality of that, though, and take me old fart shoes off and think, well... It's 2020, whatever now, you know, or 20, you know, the 20 teens or whatever you wanted to call it. And the world's changed. People can watch phones on the films on their phones. They've got Disney Plus. You, you can download stuff. The world's more immediate. Is the world going to wait three years for a Star Wars film in, in this century like it did at the end of the last one? I don't think they would. So trying to put the reality into the situation, I'd probably say it's that. It's the fact that, okay, quality, it's the same with everything. Even high quality stuff, there's always something that's better than something else. So while the quality, it's all perception, maybe up and down on various things, 
there's loads of Star Wars. And the, the key thing is, and I'll learn this more as I get older, <coughs> excuse me, is that you don't have to watch all of it. You don't have to love all of it and you don't have to know all of it. You kind of just have to have a, enough of, an, of a view on it to be conversational. Um, I'd say it's that. I'd say the fact that they they took this brand, brought it into the Disney company, and uh, they're going for it. And, you know, Marvel, you can't, people compare Marvel to Star Wars, and I don't think you can compare the two things because Marvel's built and structured very differently to Star Wars. We haven't had a Star Wars film now. We're into our fourth year without a film, and I don't see another Star Wars film for at least another couple of years, if not, if not longer. I don't think that's a bad thing whilst Disney Plus is ramping up and other things are happening. But I'd say it's that. I'd say the fact that they've actually pushed the boat out and, and actually gone for it with content. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. I think, you know, yes, well, I'm not a movie in a, in a few years and, you know, it's, you know, there's movies in sort of development phase now and even if one of them goes into production, it's probably going to be, you know, two years before we see that. Mm. Um, unless it's a really quick production. So, you know, one year at the very best, but, you know, that's... That's thinking generously, but I think you know while that's the case, you know I think you know this year alone, you know we've got like uh, Batch airing currently. Mando's coming on March the fourth. Uh, we know we've got Soka coming this year. Um, we've just had Andor at the back end of last year. Um, so like that, that's four shows before we even look at the sort of the end of this year. Um, so there's a lot happening on Disney Plus. I think for me. You know, Disney means money, and I think you know it means they can invest a lot more. So hmm. I haven't been yet, but you know the fact that we've got a, a Star Wars theme park now in the Disney parks is, is is huge. Yes, we've had a Star Wars ride before, but you know now they own the company. It's like no, we'll go all in. We'll we'll, we'll build the park. Um, you know, if you look at you know again, I've not been to the park, so I definitely haven't been on the, the graphic Star Cruiser, the sort of Star Wars hotel experience. Um, but again, like there's no way they would be pushing the boundaries to do that type of experience with Star Wars. You know, the first type, the first thing of its type that they've done and they've chosen to do it with the Star Wars franchise, I think yeah. says a lot about how much it means to them to have it uh, in the umbrella. Um, I think if you look at things like the the publishing initiative, the High Republic, um, which I'm a bit behind on, um, but uh, but I'm enjoying. And again, you know, it's not it's not something that some haven't done before because, you know, the <laughs> hard shadows of the Empire, but this is sort of, you know, it, it's in multiple phases. It's across, um, you know, a lot of different mediums. It could even extend to further mediums as it goes on. We don't know, um, but it's it's a lot bigger. If that makes sense, and it's it's getting a lot of different people to come in and tell their Star Wars story. A, a lot of different voices, which is good. And again, what you said about like sort of liking the bits you like, and you know, there'll be bits that you're not going to bother with. There's plenty of choice out there, so it's almost like a big buffet of Star Wars, and you know you can you can go and enjoy the bits you like, and um, you can sort of leave the bits that you maybe don't catch your eye, and someone else that'll catch someone else's eye, and they'll go and enjoy that, and then. You're right, you know, whether it's that Star Wars celebration or just any convention or just seeing someone in the street with a Star Wars t-shirt on, you might strike up a conversation and be talking about things that, you know, A, you might have in common or B, you know, we could be talking about something that I love about Star Wars that you don't even, you haven't seen and then I could even turn you on to that. So yeah, I think I think the content is is fantastic out of they stood by what they said when they said, you know, we're going to make everything canon going forward, you know, and they've, they've produced a lot of canon is what I'd say and, and you know, a lot of it's good. The bits I've enjoyed, I've really enjoyed, and I enjoy the fact that there's a lot out there for a lot of different people to enjoy. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't argue with that. I think, I think uh, if they, uh, if they, if they took the foot off the gas now, it would feel weird. 
but the fact that they're putting so much out there, <coughs> excuse me, and like you say about the whole Republic, multiple eras now, you've still got Old Republic, the game going, which isn't canon, but you know, it's still there, and High Republic, and prequel stuff still busy and interesting, and now they're in between the trilogies with Kenobi and Andor and everything else, and gone beyond with Mandalorian. And I, I, I fully expect once you get onto the sequel trilogy, and Daisy's now saying, well, well you know, I'm, I'm at the end of the phone. So, you know, there's potential there. So they've really broadened the scope of, of the Star Wars storytelling. So, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good time to be a fan. It's slightly off topic, but you brought up Daisy there. Um, you know, I think it was last month, you know, she was at Lucasfilm for, for a lunch, just for a lunch. It's a long way to go for just a lunch, I think. And then obviously this recent <laughs> interview that's just surfaced this week. Do you think some cooking there for a bit of Ray? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, in, in sort of on two on two angles, one, um, it's work, and she's a working actor, and I'm sure financially they look after her, and her bargaining power after three films that have done a billion dollars plus one that did two billion dollars uh, is probably pretty hefty. So, so you know, you got to pay the mortgage. So, I, I think on that angle. And and there's a you know, the majority. There's always people who don't like this and don't like that. They are so the minority, um, in in percentages because they shout the loudest. So it looks like there's more of them than there is. Um, people who like it are generally either ambivalent to the to the grumbling or, you know, say their bit. So I think I think I think you could see her. And I think Oscar Isaac said the same. You know, if there's a great script and a great story, and I liked working with everyone, so he said he'd do something. Boyega seems to be the one that might be the holdout. But again, I think if the storyline was something intriguing, you know, he said about certain elements of the character that they might have took it in one direction or another and it never quite panned out. But if they, you know, they, the writers, <coughs> thought, yeah, let's let's pick up on that and do something with that, you know, Finn force sensitivity, which you kind of got more of in, in Rise of Skywalker then I think he could go, well, actually, now that's a story I want to see. So bring those three front and centre as a, not as a, not as a lead, lead actress and two supports or two leads and, you know, bring them back as a trio, like a power trio. They're all equally there with, with their own story threads to tell, be it Disney plus or, or more films. And my head tells me Disney plus would make more sense to be fair. Um, I think you could see it, but again, I, I still think that I, you know George always said about you know, oh, there's six films, oh, there's nine films. At one point, there's twelve films. So if they did another three films and, and carried it on, no one's going to mind. No one's going to worry about that. You know, it's Ray Skywalker now, so it's still the Skywalker saga. You know, um, I'm wobbling on, but yeah, I I wouldn't be remotely surprised if if she came back. I hope so. You know, you know, I love, I love the character of Ray. I thought Daisy is a fantastic actress. So, you know, I think if we get some more, get some more Ray, I'm fully up for that. Um, what is your question for me, Mark? My question for you, it's a fairly straightforward question. Which is your favourite alien species? Not character, but species. And why? So obviously an alien and not creature. Uh, either. It's a fairly broad question. But yeah, yeah. Whichever, whichever one you... Whichever one you fancy answering. Ooh. So I think my favourite, I'll, I'll do one for each. So in my head, when I say alien, I mean a creature that's like quite sentient, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so I think my favourite is probably... Um, 
I love the the Mon Calamari, obviously, Adam Blackbar. Mm. Um, oh, but it's close between that. Adam Blackbar and then obviously uh, Nainum, who is a Celestian. Yeah. Uh, just because of um, Return of the Jedi, which is it's actually has anniversary this year, actually. 40 years, is this for? 40, yeah. 40 yeah. years for Return of the Jedi, but I just remember like that movie as a as a sort of, you know, I watched them in the in the 90, early 90s. My cousin got me into Star Wars, so watched them on the basis, but, you know, sort of seeing how much sort of dialogue and emotion you can get out of those faces, like, mm. did a lot of me as a child to sort of really believe and have a great imagination. So I'm, I'm going to go with Nainum, the Celestian is my favourite. Just because he's he's funny, he's serious, uh, he can do it all, and obviously a great pilot. Um, yeah. My favourite creature, though, I'm going to say is, I don't know why, but obviously Pack the Clones came out in 2002. Uh, I would have been about 12 or 13, I would imagine, when that came out. Um, and the I had the action figure of the, the Reek, which is the um, sort of the one of the three beasts in the yeah. arena to assassinate, obviously, our heroes, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Padme. And it's the one that's sort of like a rhino. It's got three horns. It's the one that Mace Windu chops the horn off um, when he's fighting Django. And I don't know why, but as a creature, I just really enjoyed the art week for some reason. Um, and I know he's not as good or awesome as the Rancor, but that just sticks out. I had that I had that toy, and uh, he was sort of causing loads of carnage around um, all my other <laughs> heroes. That's a good shout. The the re- uh, when you see that scene in the arena, um, you know you see the Acle, you see the Nexu, you see the Reek, and it's like, you couldn't pick three more different looking creatures. You know the Acle is basically a giant praying mantis um, with the tiger attitude. You know, and the the Nexu, it's a cat but with spider eyes, and then you get the Reek, which like you say is is basically it's a mud horn without the hair, isn't it? It's it's a rhino. Um, but yeah, he's he's got the. I think he's got the most attitude, the Reek. So I totally get why you you would like would like that one, especially as, as a kid. It was a it was a great uh, a great creature. I, I I think for me species wise, I think Celestians is a really good shout actually, and you don't see enough of them. There's a couple a couple dotted around, but it's mostly uh, nine and numb, um, who who of course made it right through to the end of Rise of Skywalker, and then sadly bit the bullet just as they were about to win. Um, but uh, I think I think my creature would be. I, I I probably would say you mentioned it, the Rancor. I think it's such a great design. And, you know, when you saw it in Book of Boba Fett in the final episode, you know, the, the, the Star Wars Connect episode when he's smashing up, you know, Moss, Moss Espa, um, that was just phenomenal to see that going at full tilt. And, and when you think back to Force Unleashed, you know, that, that monster bull Rancor and just some crazy stuff in there. So, yeah, I'd say the Rancor's tough to beat. Out of curiosity, were you aware of the... Um... The Haslab Rancor that were trying to get funded, and did you back it? I didn't back it because I, I I get bits of Black Series, but not lots. Um, I was surprised. Well, I'm not surprised, and it's been good grief if ever they've done an autopsy on a on a Haslab, it was that one. You know that that Kickstarter campaign or Haslab campaign, I should say, finished. I don't know a few days, a handful of days before that episode of of Book of Boba Fett, and you just look at the timing and and think, whoa, wow, why? If only they knew, because you've got to assume Hasbro didn't know that that was coming into Book of Boba Fett, because they would have just pushed that Kickstarter further back, because that really would, I think, have enticed enough people to get it over the line. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I felt for them. They've had a couple of Haslabs that didn't quite happen, like the Reva lightsaber didn't happen, and uh, I think, I think, for, personally, I think Haslabs are better for vintage collection rather than Black Series. But um, 
that's just my personal opinion. But uh, yeah, I think just bad timing caught them there. Definitely. Um, my next question for you is, if you could have been on a Star Wars set um, to sort of witness any Star Wars scene filming, which would you choose and why? What a cracking question. I've never been on a Star Wars set. It's on my bucket list of things I really want to do. Um, <clears throat> I think if I could go back in time, um, the, the, the horny 13-year-old would say Jabba's Palace just to see Carrie in that bikini. Um, but if I'm honest, I would say I would love to be on the the Cloud City, Weather Vane set, the Luke, I am your father moment. I'd Just to be on that set and see that thing happen, that moment, like the moment of all moments in... I'd say not just Star Wars, but all of cinema. It's a top five cinematic moment. Uh, to see that would be, I think, really special. So, because especially because you know the, the light. Just to hear Dave Prowse say the different lines, because famously he was terrible at giving stuff away to the press. So they gave him false lines on set, um, which was a smart move. <laughs> Bless him. Um, but yeah, just to see that be shot. Um, and just see all the all the actors at play, and that moment that we've watched a million times since actually happened for the first time for real would be phenomenal. That's a really good question. I've never heard that asked before. That's a really good question. Well, I'm glad you like it. Um, I think for me, in the past, I thought you know I think we'll be returning the Jedi in the moment where Luke, sort of the opposite to Luke and Vader in Empire, you know where Luke turns the lightsaber off, throws it away mm. after he sort of chopped off Vader's hand off, and he's realised that. He's perhaps going down a similar path to his father, and that he doesn't want to do that. Um, now he's going to show his father some compassion, which in turn his father sort of returns to him at the end. There, I think you know, I don't think that scene gets enough credit of like just how mm. good Mark Hamill is in that scene. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that one and that's sort of the, the final moment of that trilogy, certainly. Um, but having to think about it, I think I would also have to be on set for Revenge of the Sith, and obviously that moment in Palpatine's office when. Anakin decides to, you know, take Mace Windu's hand off, and then yeah. when he gets knighted as a Dark Lord of the Sith, I think that is sort of a, a moment there where it's going to set up the entire original trilogy um, with with Anakin making that split second decision, and then you know the way Palpatine knights him and sends him to the Jedi Temple. You know, it's quite, you know, Anakin's got tears coming down his face. You know, Hayden Christensen does a fantastic job in that scene. I think. Um, yeah. Where he's sort of a broken, a broken Anakin becomes a angry, strong Vader. Um, so yeah, I think and that's a defining moment for the entire Star Wars story. So I, th- I think probably that one. Now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, oh, that's a great shout. Actually, the the Jedi scene, the Return of the Jedi scene, marries up so nicely with that Empire scene, and, and I think Revenge of the Sith of of all the films gets less credit than it deserves. I think I, I I put Sith right up there with Star Wars and Empire, um, just because just from everything, just the visuals are great, the design's great, the music's phenomenal, uh, the performances are just on point. Everyone's really into the into their roles, and it would have been nice to have had a bit more Padme in that film. But I understand why Lucas did what he did. The focus has to be on Anakin and Obi Wan specifically. Anakin. Now that's the story being told, so it's it's understandable in that sense. Um, but uh, yeah, Revenge of the Sith was such a good film, phenomenal film. What is your next question for me, Mark? <clears throat> Excuse me. I have my third question is, if you walked into a hangar and you could only pick one Imperial ship, 
can be a starfighter, it can be a cruiser, it can be a, a you know dreadnought, it can be the Death Star, whatever you want. What would you pick? Ooh, it's a hard one. There's a lot of awesome Imperial looking ships, like from like the Lambda Car Shuttle to you know Tie Interceptor. Look fantastic. Um, I think what I'm going to go with is I'm going to go with the um, the Tie Defender. Obviously, mm. two reasons. It looks awesome. You know, it's got like sort of three sets of wings on there. Um, you know, it's a special project as we learned in Star Wars Rebels from Grand Animal Throne. Um, it has a hyperdrive, so that's why I want it because not only do I have the speed and um, versatility of a tie, but I can also travel hyperspeed, uh, hyperspace to get out of situations. So, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Tie Defender. Um, but honorable mentions to, like I said, the Lambda Class Shuttle, which sort of just looks unique to this day. Yeah. Still, um, and also, um, what's it called? The um, yeah, the the tie the tie interceptor, which I think we're going to see in the upcoming season of the Mandalorian, which is a uh, very exciting times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's so many cool Imperial ships. I, I love the Executor, um, or the Executor, as the Americans say, but it's Executor because it sounds cooler. Um, and and even the ground st- ground stuff, obviously. Yeah, the ATAT and the ATSD are awesome looking ships. The, I think the Imperials probably you could argue they have the coolest ships. The Rebels have like you know junk, jumped ships pulled together and sort of held together with you know, sellotape and spitting glue. But the Imperial vessels, I mean, even into into Bad Batch, you know, they have a Marauder, which is a gorgeous ship. Um, there, there's there's so many, uh, but I think yeah, the Defenders are good, a really good one. I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, I love the Tie Striker as well. Which I think is a beautiful ship from Rogue One. So there's, they've got the. I think they've got a really cool fleet. But yeah, you've got to go a long way to beat the Interceptor. Although the Tie Silencer, uh, Kylo Ren's Tie Silencer, is pretty damn cool as well. They've got, they've got a great fleet of ships. They have indeed. Um, I think point of view, so they even make the Imperial speeder bikes on Endor. Like they, yeah. just, they look cool, even though it's just like a their their way of sort of ground transportation. Their motorbike almost. It's it's still yeah. sleek and smooth. My next question for you, Mark, is um, sort of it's a bit of a double-barreled one. So, what is your favorite thing in your Star Wars collection? And then also, what is one thing that is your holy grail item that you really want to own one day but you don't own yet? <laughs> oh, um, my favorite thing in my collection is I've got the first edition hardback of the Art of Star Wars, uh, which I bought. Well, actually, my mom got it for me. Um, in nostalgia and comics in Birmingham lent me the money I should say she didn't buy it for me she lent me the money I paid her back um, and I managed to get it signed in 96 or 97 I forget which year when Ralph McQuarrie came over and went to did a memorabilia at the NEC um, and managed to meet him and I had five minutes talking and I've told people about this before They're like, you had five minutes talking to McQuarrie really you had five minutes talking to yep I had five minutes talking to McQuarrie what did he talk about did you ask him about this did you ask him about that no, it was just a normal chit chat. Isn't the weather nice? How was your flight? Did you enjoy your lunch? I mean, it was just a nothing conversation. But I had five minutes talking to Macquarie, and I'd got the art of Star. He was only charging a fiver for his autographs, um, and so I got the art of Star Wars, which he signed. And this was when he'd got a little, um, like a little collection book out, which was like postcards and stuff. It was a beautiful little box with postcards and stamps inside. That was the big thing. <coughs> So he was signing loads of them and also the portfolio. 
So all he'd signed was those two things all day. So I rock up with the art of Star Wars. And I used to, back in the day, get Bantha Tracks, which, of course, Bantha Tracks is kind of a riff on Bantha Tracks. So I'd got uh, an issue. I forget which issue. I should know. I think it was issue 12 or 13. But it was Ralph on the cover painting the snowscape, the Hoth snowscape, on a great big wall. Um, and he saw that, and he, saw, he literally face lit up. He went, I haven't seen this for years. And he was opening it because it was like, like a poster magazine type thing. He opened it up, and he was looking through it and reading it and grinning at stuff that he was reading in there, which was kind of cool for me to watch him reacting to this magazine I brought along. And then he signed the front. And when I went to pay, I went to give the guy, I'm sure it was a fiver. It was, it was pennies. Gave him the tenner and, and Ralph leaned over. No, 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 no. He's only, I'm only charging him for the one. And he only charged me for the book. He didn't charge me to sign the, the Bantha Tracks. Uh, yeah, the Bantha Tracks cover, which was, wow, mind blown. So I would say those those two, they, they're in separate parts of the collection um, across the room. They're on the other side of the room, but they're kind of the same thing to me. The Holy Grail. Um, I don't think I've got a Holy Grail because my, my collection's so, um, I'm not a completist. I, I try to, but it doesn't haunt me if I miss things because uh, I kind of like chasing stuff down. I used to be a, in the eighties. I was a comic collector, like American comics. So you're always back then, especially you were always if you didn't get them straight away, you were always chasing stuff down. So I used to go to comic marts in Birmingham and UCAC, UK Comic Art Convention down in London, and trying to find these missing comics. Still got comics I've not had for you know, I've had missing for like thirty five, forty years. I'd, I'll get them one day. Um, I'll probably kick the bucket before I get them, but you know it's on the list. Um, uh, Holy Grail. Wow. I don't, I don't honestly think there is a, a specific Holy Grail thing. Most of them were weird things like you mentioned Raiders earlier. And when you used to read Bantha tracks, they'd have things inside advertising different stuff. And of course it's Lucasfilm. It's not just Star Wars. It was Lucasfilm. And they had the, the, it was the, I can't even describe it. It was the, it was edited audio from Raiders into like a, double-sided vinyl album um like the story of raiders of the lost ark and they had this beautiful cover with uh, with indian marion sort of windswept stood in front of this big sort of mod, uh, painting of the ark took me forever to find that and, and eventually got it so i think there was little bits <coughs> little bits like that across the collection that, that i've mostly got um oh, i'll tell you one thing i never got that i would like banter tracks again they did a Luke Skywalker Bespin jacket. This is kids thing. So I got the Bespin jacket. They did a Han Solo vest that I never got. So if I ever see the Han Solo vest that was only available through the fan club, I'll be all over that. So that would be that will probably be the one. If thinking on it, that would be I should start chasing that again. That will probably be the one. The Han Solo vest, the Return of the Jedi vest that you can only get through Banther Jack. It's crazy, isn't it? I think so I remember when I really wanted the um, Phantom Menace Mace Windu figure, and uh, I never got it. Sort of, but I was ten, eleven when that movie came out, and you know, I was playing with figures, you know, for probably a good five, six years after that point as well. You know, never, never got that Mace Windu. When I was on holidays, about fifteen, sixteen, in Disneyland Paris, and actually, I had a Mace Windu, and I got a Mace Windu, but it wasn't that Phantom Menace one. But I uh, just left, just probably just before COVID broke out. I was in Vienna on holiday, and uh, we walked past sort of a, a little shop. And I had sort of, I spotted some like sort of Phantom Menace figures in this sort of little independent store. Yeah. So I went in, there was a big box on the table. So I was flicking through and Mace Windu was there. So I, I, I grabbed him, obviously. I was like, this is one that I've wanted since I was like 11. That I've, I've, I've you know, never seen to even grab him. 
and he's here. I probably could have found him on eBay. Do you know what I mean? Or, or, or click but I want you know. So I, so I bought him there, and my uh, fiance at the time was my wife was a bit like, "Why do you need that?" I was like, "It's hard to talk about." But yeah, this was something that I really wanted as like eleven year old that I never, yeah, I never saw, and then I've seen it here. So I'm going mean, it was cheap. You know, it was it was you know probably six pounds. I imagine once you broke it down. So you know, I saw so I picked that up. So I think of seeing seeing something that you were chasing as a youngster that you never got. Yeah. Um, I certainly understand what that feels like. Speaking of grails, though, um, I think my what I would love is I would I don't know why, but I would really obviously return the Jedi. Obviously, turning forty years old this year. Um, obviously, originally titled Revenge of the Jedi, and obviously some promotional material went out. So I would love to have an original Revenge of the Jedi poster, like that went out as marketing um, for that movie. Um, obviously, very well, the red one with the Raiders helmet and the two of them fighting that one. Uh, no, just just the, just the title. I think it's just oh, Revenge nice. of the Jedi in red. I think yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or did I have that on? Maybe it did. I think you're right. They, they did. They did a poster again. This was in Bantha Tracks. They did a poster, and it was a it was beautiful, rich red, really rich red. Uh, and it was Vader's. It looked like the Empire helmet. It was like Vader's helmet, and then in front was Luke and Vader fighting. But it was clearly Luke and Vader clashing in the scene from Empire and Luke's blade was blue because they didn't get one of the best kept secrets was the green blade in Jedi. So they kept that secret. So it was great. It was red and blue. And, but it did say at the bottom, I think it was in yellow. It said revenge of the Jedi coming, you know, May 1983 or whatever it was. And so it was, it was a really striking poster, but yeah, you're right. They did have like a logo, a straight up logo poster, but Jedi was cool because it had more than one logo. You had the, you had the square logo, you had the long, wider logo, which I always thought looked really cool. That was on a lot of the books at the time, but so uh, yeah, yeah, Revenge of the Jedi, yeah, well, and you know why they changed the title, don't you? Uh, I imagine just because the Jedi doesn't do revenge. I imagine that was the logic of it, but it was originally called Revenge of the Jedi, and then Star Trek Two was originally called The Revenge of Khan, and so Lucasfilm thought, ah, we can't. It was a bit like when Rogue One and Rogue Nation, the Mission Impossible film, agreed to keep away from each other in case people got confused. It was the same logic. So Lucas, so George went, oh, well, yeah, you know, like you just said, Jedi can't have revenge. That doesn't make sense. So we'll call it Return of the Jedi. And then Paramount changed it to Wrath of Khan. So nobody nobody had revenge in 1982. <laughs> there you go. But I think, um, obviously, you mentioned Roth Macquarie. I would love to own a Macquarie original one day. I mean, it's pipe dream, mm. but one day I would love to have a Macquarie original in the collection. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah, even yeah, like you say, even if it was just a, a doodle. Um, I'm friends with Paul Bateman, who um, who worked with Ralph quite closely in restoring a lot of his original artwork. And I always remember Paul telling me that he was at Ralph's house once, and and Ralph would draw on anything. Literally, if there was a spare gap on, on a page of of notes, he would draw something in the gap, and they um, he needed his boiler fixing, so they were sorting his boiler out, and they pulled. When they removed the boiler, they found behind the boiler wadges and wadges and wadges of sketches and doodles and, and stuff. And, and Paul's like, what on earth is this? And Ralph was like, oh, it's, it's just, it's nothing. And there was like some of the earliest ever Star Wars and Empire sketches in there that was just stuffed behind the boiler because the boiler was rattling or yeah, something like that. You know, it was just to keep it still, keep it in place. So, <coughs> you know, he was, he was that kind of guy that would just draw on anything. But yeah, just to, just have one of those 
uh, this six doodles on a page of A4, just cut me one off. That'll do for me. I'll get it framed and, you know, it'll be my, it'll be my Mona Lisa. It'll be amazing. Definitely. Um, what is your next question for me? My next question for you, um, of all the eras of Star Wars, not not specific eras like prequel, sequel, original, but but it could be if you wanted it to be. But what is your what do you think is the most? <coughs> excuse me. What do you think is the most interesting era of Star Wars? As a fan, given the content that you got, what which one would you say was the most interesting? Not the best or your favorite, but the most interesting. I think for me, what sticks out is is sort of the the prequel era. I think mm. you know, as I said, sort of in the early nineties, sort of I was in introduced to Star Wars through my cousin, older cousin, um, Alan, um, who sort of, he had, he was a Star Wars fan, he had the original trilogy on VHS, and I watched them at, first seen them at his house, um, and that's why I became a Star Wars fan almost, I use the term tweener, so, you know, I was in between trilogies, almost, yeah. you know, the special editions weren't a thing yet, um, so I was almost a fan back when new fans weren't being made, almost, so I'd seen Star Wars on, on VHS, became a fan, obviously, Birthdays, Christmases, had my own VHSs bought for me, so I had them, so I could watch them. Um, obviously, Power of the Force 2 lines out at that point, I'm getting those figures. Um, obviously, special editions come out, so, you know, Star Wars is back in cinemas, I get to watch it in the cinema for the first time. It's slightly different than my VHSs, um, but not not too different similar. Um, but then I remember, like, the buzz about The Phantom Menace coming out, and, like, it was new Star Wars, so no one had seen this Star Wars before. Like nobody, so it didn't matter how young I was or how long I've been a fan. Like you know, I could go to my dad, and my dad was in the same boat as me. Not like my dad was a Star Wars fan, but you know, even even take Alan, my cousin, you know, he we were in the same boat. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't just make this thing, and he knew all about it. Then going into this, you know, I think I remember telling him what's going to happen. He was like, I don't know. Like we're all going to have to find out. I remember just the hype. I remember like there was like little magazines releasing like news of the world and stuff, and would be the first like. Um, pictures from the movie and little character bios and stuff and I, I remember like <coughs> the little snippets of information that came out um, and, and just how exciting it was to sort of be on that roller coaster of newness and it was this thing that we knew and loved so much but also like we were going to go on an adventure that we didn't know where it was going to end if that makes sense yeah totally yeah I agree actually even though my heart's with the OT I think um, I think the prequel trilogy era was was by far the most interesting, you know, because uh, you know one of the criticisms Star Wars gets is that there's lots of gaps in Star Wars, and we as savvy Star Wars fans know that Lucasfilm will go, I can do a comic series about that, you can do a book about that, we'll fill that story in in Shadow of the Sith or whatever, and we'll, we'll you know we'll expand it and explain it if you like. What is the Clone Wars other than seven seasons of a show telling you? the backstory of the prequel trilogy, you know, and the history of the, you know, it's, it's, it's fully, it's exposition filling in that gap between two films, but done beautifully. And I thought Dark Horse did an amazing job and Delray did an amazing job. And, and just all the other little things that spun off it, like the original Clone Wars animated Tartakovsky stuff, Hasbro were absolutely smashing it throughout that era. So there was so many cool things. And also weirdly, you could argue the prequel trilogy started in 98 with Prelude to Rebellion and that first Mace Windu figure and the trailer, the first Phantom trailer in 98 and went right through to certainly certainly acquisition era when Clone Wars stops, Lucasfilm stopped making Clone Wars because obviously it gets awkward because Disney's bought it and but that was released on Cartoon Network, which was a Warner company. So Lucasfilm stopped Clone Wars. It wasn't the other way around. So what, what's that? That's, what's that, 15 years? 
the prequel trilogy era, essentially. That, you know, that was a proper, huge, massive chunk of Star Wars time. And I think most of it was was fascinating. And, and in there, you've got the trilogy. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I think that was phenomenal time. And I, I think now it gets it's getting the love that it deserves because some people were sniffy about it for no good reason. And I think the films are reappraised now. The, the story was always phenomenal, I thought, you know, the depth and the history and the lore of it. So, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Definitely prequel, prequel era for me. And then I think you this look at Tales of the Jedi, which is essentially the prequel era yeah. again being told even more in depth. Yeah, they need to do more of that. That, that my, It was kind of heartbreaking that that came out sort of in the middle of Andor and was come and gone in a week. And yet the content in there was so that Yaddle episode was phenomenal. It was just so good. And there was some really cool thoughts in there and the way that you, you'll never look at Dooku in the same way again after watching Tales of the Jedi. And I really do want to go back and watch it. So I hope now like they've gone back and done, I think we get season two of Visions this year as well, in, in addition to the stuff that was mentioned earlier. Um, I think Acolyte's probably next year. But, but you know, um, I really hope they do more Tales of the Jedi. You know, six little sort of 15-minute episodes just expanding on certain characters. Because they could do a Tales of the Jedi of the original trilogy era if they wanted. I know they've got the assets for, for, for sort of Clone Wars era stuff and making the assets is the costly thing. So it's probably not as easy as it, it sounds. But nevertheless, uh, I think there's benefit to that. Yeah, and for me, you know, there's that many different Jedi that you could tell a story about any Jedi, so you you know, you could do you could run this for as many seasons as you want, you know what I mean? It could run for as long as The Simpsons. Um you know, and, <laughs> and you could have literally you could do yeah. prequel of a Jedi, original trilogy of a Jedi, sequel yeah. Jedi, you could do High Republic Jedi, or yeah. Republic you could and you can mix it up with like different ones. You could do two different Jedi from different eras to focus on one season. Um mm. possibilities are endless really. Yeah, literally, yeah. Yeah, totally of all the groups of characters that's got the the longest history you know i mean I, I don't know how we sit now in in you know with the current chronology but it, it was always the case like the dawn of the jedi stuff was tens of you know it was like twenty thousand years ago sort of thing it was like way back when they just found the force you know so they've got some some crazy potential uh not that you'd want to cover that big of an area but you know you as we mentioned earlier you know you've got old republic still going on and that's jedi versus sith across what was the galaxy you know it's obviously a fraction of what the galaxy is now but you know it's there's there's so many stories you could do yeah definitely some big scope there definitely my last and final question i believe no question number five for you mark is um which up-and-coming star wars project are you most looking forward to and why obviously it could include a project that's like the second season or third season of a show that's mm. coming out um you know so you know you could see Mandalorian season three, for example, because you're excited about that season coming up. But yeah, which which up and coming Star Wars project are you most excited about, and why? And it can be across any medium as well. Uh, that's, that, yeah. Um, wow. I don't. That's a tough one because I'm I'm very intrigued by Skeleton Crew. I'm really curious to see what that's going to be and be about because you know John Watts did those that Spider Man trilogy, which was awesome. So he's good with young actors. They've said they want that Goonies vibe, which could be a lot of fun if they get it right uh, and don't go too silly. Um, and Jude Law's are good in everything that he's in. So that that's intrigues me. Obviously, as you just said, Mando Season 3 is only a few weeks away. Uh, the trailer was looked great, gave nothing away, which is the best kind of trailer. Um, and the visuals look so good on that. So um, I think that's, that feels like a... Um, 
that feels like it's going to be something a bit special. Uh, I'm really interested by what I've seen. There's some shots sneaked out of the Acolyte. Uh, that that looks interesting. Also, given it's Horror Republic, which I'm enjoying. I'm behind as well, but I'm enjoying that. I'm up to date with the comics, which I'm really enjoying. The just started the Blade, and I'm loving the ongoing Cavern Scott title, which is excellent. So that's an interesting era. So I'm curious about that. But oh, oh and of course, Ahsoka, um, which I think could be really special if if Filoni's really had his hands on the steering wheel for that, and she's the character that you associate with him the most. Uh, I would imagine he's put his heart and soul into that. So that's that's got the potential to be really awesome. But there's always the danger that you've got to get... I think with Ahsoka, you've got to just find the balance because it would be very easy to make her like the prime Jedi of every Jedi ever. So you've got to temper that a little bit and give her the challenges. So that that if that's done right, that could be phenomenal. But the one I'm really looking forward to is Andor Season 2 because I thought Andor Season 1 was the best thing, that the best Star Wars thing... I, Rogue One and Solo were the two things in the Disney era that really lit me up. And, and I would put Andor up with that, but in a different way. Rogue One was just action and, and just exciting and interesting and ballsy. And Solo was just the most fun Star Wars ever since Jedi. It was just, I was grinned all the way through Solo and do every time I watch it. But Andor was so clever and, and not in a smug way, just clever Star Wars and really got you thinking, and the performances were stunning, and the visuals were great. Just everything about Andor was top draw. The music was clever. I interviewed Nicholas Patel uh, about the about the score and on um, making tracks, and just the, the the little ideas he had, and how he worked with Tony Gilroy because they lived a few blocks from each other, so they'd just meet up and go through the the story and go, and, and the music that goes with it. And just thought outside the box. Don't you know, don't have to do any John Williams stuff. Just do your own thing, you know which again is brave because, you know, how do you get away from John Williams? Why would you want to? And then they go and do like Goranson did, which sounds more like a Rocky score to me, but there you go. You know, just, just nailed it. Um, I would have to say right now and or season two, which is two years away. So it's not, it's not coming anywhere soon. I hope they do a season two book of Boba Fett because it didn't blow me away, but I think there's still a good story to be told. And I really hope they do uh, more with Kenobi. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. But, yeah, and all season two for me. Speaking of Kenobi, I think Hewan's been speaking this weekend about wanting to do more. He's certainly up for it, mm. so fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's definitely a story to be told, and a weird fact that means nothing to nobody else, but me and Ewan are exactly the same age to the day. And so I've always kind of followed him because this just weird, quirky, shared birthday thing. Uh, and also he's an awesome actor. But I just think with him in that role now, being the right age for the role, uh, you know, I think I think the character of Kenobi was fifty nine, but but Alec Guinness was sixty three. So you know, even if you put the the ages correct, you've still got six or seven years. Plus, you and don't look his age, so it, they could he could be doing that role for another ten years comfortably. That to lead you up to a new hope, and then of course you know there's the, the handover of the role if you like to Alec Guinness which is a weird way of thinking of it. When you think he picked it up, now he's, all these years later, kind of handing it back off to, to Alec Guinness. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's more more to be told. And of course, the great thing about Kenobi, one of many, because I really thought it was excellent, Vivian Lyra Blair was brilliant as Leia, and now she's growing up. 
we we interviewed her on making tracks again very recently she's charming she's only 10 she's phenomenal you wouldn't know it i forgot i was talking to a 10 year old after five minutes i just interviewed her um she was awesome so you know there's there's that with her and and the character and just seeing bail organa again and just certain characters can come in and go out you might see more of 3po and r2 and you know it's just different little things that they can do so i think there's definitely some more scope for kenobi definitely um that is the end of my questions do you have one more for me mark i have one more question and this will take you back to your childhood um my, my original question was what is your favorite vintage action figure but that's unfair because i'm just that's i'm i'm a vintage era guy you're not so what is your favorite i think you might have already answered this but I'll ask it anyway. What is your favourite action figure? It's funny because since when the lockdown started, I started collecting vintage. So I never had vintage as a child, but yeah. I've got about maybe, I mean, all in storage at the minute because I'm moving house and renovating the house. But um, and there's no mint on cards or anything, but, um, you know, I, I, I haven't invested too much in them. But my plan is I want to try and, again, a bit like you, you know, I'm sort of chasing, completing them all, but I'm enjoying the chase. I'm not in a hurry to do it. Or I want to get one of each of the vintage, and then once I've done that, I'll start replacing them for like better ones, better paying jobs, all the accessories, all the vinyl yeah. type of thing. So I do own about 20 maybe. Um, and I do own a Lando with, I believe, is the original vinyl cape. So that's like probably the one I've got in the best condition, if that makes sense. But favourite figure, um, I am probably going to say, ooh, I think that the, the Django Fett that they released for Attack of the Clones 2002, um, so probably come in 2001 actually um, where it's sort of the helmet comes off, it's got the jetpack that fires the missile, it's got the grapnel hook that works on the arm, the blasters actually fit in the holsters on the side, like it's just <laughs> yeah. a complete figure, that like as soon as I saw it I popped for it, and like again at that age I was probably, you know, probably starting to go out a bit a little bit, I'm actually like playing with him but when I got him, you know, I was 12, 13 14, but I was like, no like, it's, it's, it's too good of a figure like not to, not to like my imagination went wild, like just having it. So I'd say that that Django Fett um, is what I would say uh, is probably my favourite. That's a good shout. That that era, like you say, that era of figures. I think when Hasbro, I think they probably had access to more of the factories over in the Far East, so they were able to tool up and make more figures. And 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 kids now, you know, apps is the thing, and toy collecting is not what it was. It's it is a collector's thing now. It is folks. In the, to me, anyway, how it seems to be is folks in their 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond are more interested than, than kids are. Kids seem to want to play with, you know, the, the super stylized stuff. Um, but but that's just my my angle on it. But, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, my first figure, I, 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 this tells you what I knew about Star Wars when, <laughs> when it first came out. I think I got my first figure in probably, oh, probably 70, late 78. Uh, I got a Death Star droid. I wanted 3PO and couldn't find him. And it ended up, it was it was either Death Star droid or Greedo, I think, which I didn't get for years and years and years. And I ended up buying Death Star droid because he looked like 3PO because I just thought 3PO was cool. Um, and, uh, and, and just kept going. But if I had to pick a favourite vintage figure for me, it would be um, probably Han Solo Hoth. I just love that. Love that figure. I played with that toy to bits when I was a kid, and I, I have got one on card. I've got a couple of loose ones, but I've got one on card. That I don't. I'm not a card collector. I've got a couple, but um, but yeah, that I had to I had to get that one. It was just too cool not to get, and it's a Palatoy one as well, so it's a bit special. But yeah, Han Han Hoth for me. 
And obviously that Django I mentioned, obviously I don't own it now. I was like, I give my Star Wars figures away when I was, you know, a young adult, uh, late teenager. <laughs> um, so it would have you play with, but you know, so that's one I need to buy again as well if I ever see it. Um, which I imagine part of the fun though, isn't it? It's part of the fun getting out there and find them again. It is indeed. Um, so I think I will do that. Um, obviously, yeah, my vintage collection has grown slowly. I'm excited to get my house sorted out and then get set up in my new office and get them displayed. Then I look to buy more. I think, but so I've got about twenty vintages that I'm slowly, slowly collecting here and there. It's a good thing to chase. It's a good thing, and also again, being in the UK, we're lucky because. You know, there's events happening every weekend and there's stuff, there's collector's fairs, there's things like Echo Base, which is happening uh, next weekend, I think, in, in Redditch and, and farthest from, which is a long way down for, for you, but, you know, down on the south coast. And and uh, But there's always events going on around the country that give you the opportunity to, to hop on these things. And you just mentioned Star Wars Fan Fun Day, which is coming up again in May. I think they just announced the first guest, Femi Taylor. Uh, that's... You know that's going to have all sorts of dealers and traders there, so there's there's plenty of opportunities. There certainly is. Um, that brings an end to knowing me, knowing you, Mark. I hope you found it all right. I did. I loved it. I love. I love talking about Star Wars. You can probably tell it was. So, I enjoyed it so much. I even stopped coughing, which hasn't happened for weeks. Well, I'm, I'm glad we give you that little bit of respite. <laughs> um, before we wrap it up, um, you know, as I mentioned before, Mark, obviously you are the daily content manager over Fanta Tracks. Do you just want to give the listeners a little, um, for those who don't know what Fanta Tracks is, uh, what it is and where to find it? Yeah, we're a daily news site. Um, so we've been going for five years just over now. can't believe that. <coughs> there you go. There's the cough back. Um, and uh, yeah, we uh, daily news, as I say, so it's all the latest stuff that's going on. Uh, we have interviews on there. We've got a podcast network with six shows and the seventh one to join very soon. So that's nice and busy. Uh, and, a, and a YouTube channel. We do a weekly uh, sort of magazine format uh, news roundup on a Sunday night uh, called Good Morning Tatooine. So there's all all sorts of stuff. There's a, a good bunch of us involved in it as well. Uh, and, and we get out to a lot of events. So we're fortunate enough to, we're doing celebration. Um, we, we've been to other, other stuff around the, the UK. We've been over to Europe and done stuff. Uh, New York Comic Con a couple of few times. And you know, so we do get out and about a lot, and there's, we're lucky that we're a team that that all pretty much gets on uh, and has a laugh and gets on with the work as well. Because you know, when you're a new site, you've, you've got to make sure you're staying on top of what's going on, and, and it is literally a daily thing. When we finish, I'll go and cook tea, and then I'll be back on the computer writing uh, until uh, until snooze time. But uh, yeah, fantatracks.com. Uh, you can find us on all the socials at fantatracks, and uh, yeah, just uh, come and visit, say hi. And if you see any of us at any of the conventions with our Fanta Track shirts, you won't miss them. They stand out. <laughs> they stand out a mile. Uh, just come over and say hello. Who have you given Fanta Track shirts to? You've given to some um, very special, exclusive people, haven't you? I believe <laughs> we we have so far. We we are planning on more, and we're having a conversation this week about who we haven't decided yet. We have one honorary member, uh, Kathleen Kennedy. So um, we were we were fortunate enough to um, to meet up with her at I'd met her before I met her a couple of times at, at, at celebrations and I interviewed her at the Rogue One press screening so I had met her before um, and I, I was I just got very fortunate I, I wrote an article about her winning the Irving Thulberg honorary Oscar that her and Frank Marshall her husband won and I wrote a piece on Fanta and I just got a message via somebody at Lucasfilm saying oh um, Kathleen just wanted to pass on her thanks for the article that you wrote on Fanta Tracks. 
and just sent a little paragraph from her saying thank you for the article. We were both really pleased with it and much appreciated. So that kind of that obviously that blew me away. So that was very nice of all the people to notice an article on a fan site, you know, her of all people, which was very cool. And uh, and so that kind of put a crack in the door for me to sort of contact somebody at Lucasfilm and say, is there any chance that if we made this shirt that we could give it to Kathleen at Anaheim and so uh, at Chicago rather and, and induct her as an honorary member and the message went up the chain and came back and yes that would be good so we, we arranged a time where to meet quietly away from all the crowds and then I don't know if you've seen the pictures but there's a few pictures of the team uh, as was and then me giving her the shirt uh, I don't know if she wears it <laughs> I don't know if she's still got it but she's still our honorary member so we have uh, currently we have one honorary member uh, which, is, which is a pretty good one to have, I would say. So, yeah, um, yeah, very, very, very fortunate for that to all come together. Certainly, is. It's, it's very, very, very awesome. So, sounds like a great experience. Um, and can the people find you individually on social media, Mark? Yeah, you can find me. I'm usually on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Just, just type in Mark Newbold, and you'll find me on Facebook. But uh, Twitter's where I usually uh, sort of knock around. So, I'm pre, I'm a Hitchhikers fan. So, I'm prefect underscore timing so not perfect timing but prefect as in ford prefect prefect underscore timing on twitter uh, or at fantatrax either either uh, I'm, I'm sort of knocking around on one or the other sometimes on the wrong account liking the wrong thing so i have to go back and change it but hey hey ho that's technology for you but yeah uh, prefect underscore timing for me on twitter and and instagram as well I'm the same on instagram fantastic well thank you very much for coming on the show mark it's been a pleasure Really enjoyed it. I've been looking forward. I know we've had a few full starts, but I'm glad we finally made it happen. It's been great fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. Well, indeed. I'm sure we will. Plenty of other Star Wars to talk about. Um, so we'll definitely get that hooked up. And obviously, look forward to maybe sharing a beer with you at Star Wars Celebration coming this April. Oh, count on it. Definitely. Yeah, make that happen. No doubt. Fantastic. Well, listeners, thank you very much for listening. Remember, may the force be with you. And always tell that to Kanja Club. Hello, Star Wars listeners. This is Savannah Odit. You might know me as host of the Dorky Diva Show with my co-host Brian Balance. I am also producer of The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, which is a Star Wars-inspired audio drama that we produced over the last year. If you love stories uh, about smugglers, courage, heroic characters, and maybe a few foes along the way, you should go to thedorkydivashow.com and listen to The Adventures of the Zolan Dart today. Shout! We've got your pigs. Were any of the critters harmed? What did you do now? I didn't do anything. I just freaked out for no reason. It was nice doing business with you again. Maybe next time we could deliver something less... Temperamental. <laughs> now, what you call temperamental, I call fun. Hey, is there a place nearby where I can make some repairs? Uh, oh yeah, three clicks south of here, you'll find a small spaceport. Uh, they, they should have what you need, as long as it's nothing too big. Dynamic class. My stars, you don't hear about many of those still being spaceworthy. It's been in my family for a while. She's pretty great. Uh, any chance you have a hovercart we can use to load up? I'll check out the holonet to see if anything new has come up in the sector. My name is Sereth Khan. I am the chief here on Kamai. My people and I have been experiencing food shortages as of late due to unforeseen natural occurrences. We are looking to hire someone. I say we take this one. The pay is great and it's the type of job we're familiar with. 
Welcome, welcome. You must be Captain Otoa. I've already sent word to Paktu to expect you in the next cycle or so. You told him we were coming before we even accepted the job. That's rather presumptuous, isn't it? Uh, perhaps, though once I received confirmation that you were interested and on your way here, I couldn't help but hope. Fair enough. Well, we'll be back as soon as we can. That's not good. Is that blaster fire I hear? Ah, so you're the one. Captain, it sounds like they want to do this the hard way. <laughs> I love when they got some fight in them. Oh, uh, this is bad. This is bad. We're about to have a lot of company. I'll see you soon.